You got to get serious and get into this battle. And what we're watching happening in the governments and the earth and everything is the type and shadow of what's going to happen in the kingdom. Don't mess with us. Don't mess with our kids no more. We're not playing this game. There's so much destruction that's going on with these people. We really need to stand up. See, the Lord has given us the authority to break the yokes. And it's time that the church gets out of the four walls and gets in the streets and starts talking Jesus. Jesus, Amen. Blessings. I just want to welcome all our viewers out there on uh, VOH News. And this is a great topic we're getting ready to get into here. Uh, Many of you have heard me talk about end time events and symbolically where we're at in, in God's timing and seasons, that prophetic voice where the Lord speaks to us. And recently you've heard me talk about the red heifers that have been uh, sent over to Israel, which has really just happened in the last you know week. Um, God is speaking to the church right now. And our, our guest today is literally the guy that has uh, brought those red heifers to Israel. And uh, Byron, I just want to thank you for coming on with us. We're here with Byron Stinson. And Byron, it's like uh, an amazing thing what the way the Lord's using you in this in this season. Thank you, brother. Well, yeah. hey, first off, I want to tell you that I love you, and uh, thank you for coming to see me and for us being able to talk about this. There's so much information that I think the world needs to understand. It's very mm. confusing about the red heifer. Even the rabbis that I work with in Jerusalem, uh, they'll tell you plainly that it seems a little crazy, you know, to bring a red cow and all these things. They don't understand mm. exactly why that God would uh, say in Numbers 19 that you speak to Israel, ask Israel to bring a red heifer, and then do the uh, purification ceremony that's uh, involved in the red heifer. Mm-hmm. They, and they, they even point out that uh, Solomon said he didn't even understand. He understood all mm-hmm. kinds of things. He understood what God was doing in many, many areas. But the one area he didn't understand was the red heifer. Yeah. So there is something special about this that I think the world needs to understand. And so I hope during this time together that we can uh, flesh those things out. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit be with us, that he sharpen our minds and our thoughts, and that everything we talk about here, brother, that would be edification and would be good for your audience and for people worldwide as they listen to this. Amen. Well, you know, it's interesting. The, The sages down through the ages, the rabbis have all said that one of the greatest mysteries of Scripture is this red heifer. And so we're actually talking about some things that that people have had a hard time understanding. But the interesting thing is in the early church, the early church talked about this red heifer. I'm going to read something here. And this comes from Barnabas. For those of you that are wondering why are we talking about red heifers? Oh, that's Old Testament. But when you begin to understand that the Lord uses symbolisms, the the Lord calls us sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Well, why is the Lord calling you a sheep? It's because somebody got to be sacrificed. And the Lord, believe it or not, is still sacrificing sheep. It's just not natural ones, amen? But it says, the calf is Jesus. The sinful men offer it to those who are led by him to the slaughter. But now the men are no longer guilty, are no longer regarded as sinners. And the boys that sprinkle are those who have proclaimed to us the remission of sins and the purification of our heart. To these 
He gives authority to preach the gospel, being 12 in number, corresponding to the 12 tribes of Israel. But why are these three boys to sprinkle the blood of the red heifer, to correspond to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And he goes on to talk about how the hyssop is released through the body of Christ now, and that those Old Testament symbols uh, types and shadows are really was proclaiming the coming of our Lord and Savior and uh, the incredible things that are that are happening right now. Because for us to see this happening now, I believe, brother, the Lord's talking about our second, his second coming. I do believe 100% that we're getting very close to seeing the Messiah come. And uh, the the reason the uh, my friends who are rabbis that through my life I got connected to wanted to do this and wanted me to help and be part of it was they actually see that Israel was scattered into the nations of the earth, mm-hmm. and they believe that uh, especially it seems like over here in this area of Texas there are so many supporters that their hearts are turned to help Israel and be Amen. part of Israel that they see us as a, a part a tribe of the scattered tribes of Israel that were scattered in 722 into the nations. Mm. So they felt comfortable in, in reaching out to me because of other projects that we were had been involved in and uh, asking me to bring uh, one red heifer to Israel if I could locate one here, either in Texas or anywhere in the United States. Yeah. So uh, while I wasn't expecting the call the day that came and they asked me to do that, I've done a lot of projects in the land. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I happily said, I will do what I can. I, I was able to use my staff and my businesses to develop a, some texting apps and text and also to go out and search for every rancher that we could find that would mm-hmm. potentially be raising perfectly red uh, cows, all red. I started educating myself by going looking at cows, being with rabbis, looking at what those requirements were. And then I put uh, helped put a team together, an awesome, amazing team of individuals that helped with all of that. We put full page ads into uh, cattle magazine so the cattlemen would see that. And then we also went and did hard mail projects straight in by hard mail right into the mailboxes of the of ranchers that we felt like could happen, help us. And and then uh, we hit the road. We, you know, we were out there driving all over. Uh, we got any tips wherever we might see some uh, cows. And we saw many, many that looked red. And a lot of people say, well, there's red cows everywhere. But what you got to realize is that the hair, it may be red in part of the hair, but maybe where it first comes from the cow, it's a little darker. Yeah. And all it has to do is just get dark enough that it could be black or you know, may not red anymore. Or at the end, it might be so light, it's almost blonde. Yeah. And it just has to get to where it could be blonde. It has to be definitely red from one end of the hair to the other. And uh, there's areas on the cows, whether it's on the udder or on the nose or on the tail, that are the places where you have the problem finding this all red. Yeah. Of course, the big thing is every calf just about gets tagged in the ear on day one one. And so that's a blemish. If there's anything that doesn't heal, if it's a scar that doesn't heal, then that's a blemish. Some people don't understand if it's a scratch, 
that are completely healed, that's not, that's not a blemish. That's a, that's a small scratch. That's okay. So you have to be able to know the difference. Is this a blemish or a scar? So from one side of the cow, from the nose to the end of the tail. Every bit of it. Every bit has to be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And, and there's a whole revelation in that, right? Yes. That's, uh, that. And I, I'm actually shocked, Byron, how much you know about what to look for because these cows aren't easy uh, to find. No. I mean, really, these cows only seem to appear when it's time to cleanse the temple, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but I, I want to get into that with you because, I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge there. And I, I understand how these rabbis came to you, but actually way before any of this has ever happened, you had a call on your life Yes, at a very young age. This is not something that you just decided you wanted to do. This was something that I believe the Lord was appointing to on you. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just be very transparent and try to just drop all my pride here and just tell you the story. Uh, when I was born, it was 1955, mm -hmm. and at that time, it was a, uh, an embarrassing thing to be born uh, out of a married woman to have a child that wasn't with her husband, and that's what mm -hmm. happened to my mom. We were living; she she was living out in Hollywood, wanted to be a star. She was absolutely beautiful, mm -hmm. and uh, in that situation, she became pregnant with me. I have three other siblings who I love with all my heart, but they're my half siblings. Because mm -hmm. their father, who also was a father to me, Bill Peck, and a wonderful man, mm -hmm. uh, Bill was not my biological father. So when I was born, uh, my mom knew that it was a bad situation for me. And mm -hmm. she just she did know to reach out to the Lord because her, her parents were Christians, believed in Jesus, strong Bible believers. Mm -hmm. And through that, she knew where to reach out. And just I think almost everyone instinctively in their heart know who they need to reach out to. Right. He's our only hope. So she reached out to him and said, please take this baby boy to be yours because he doesn't have a father. And we have a we have a father in heaven that that will take the fatherless, Amen. and I believe he took me at that time. Fast forward thirteen years, it's nineteen sixty nine. Uh, I've lived in a lot of places, but I'm studying, looking in the Bible, and and rabbis have pointed out to me, Byron, do you know you realize that's bar mitzvah age? That's the age where a, a, a young man or a young woman because of age and come, becomes responsible. And God put in my heart this hunger to know the word, and I was just mm -hmm. devouring the word of God. Amen. And as I looked in the book of Romans, and, and uh, Paul was teaching about how, how we are... Uh, called by our spirit inside of us that wants us to do right. Mm. But yet we have this flesh that's around us, this flesh that also calls us to do what's wrong. Sure. And that there's only one way to get the power to be able to overcome that flesh, and that's by the spilled blood of Jesus. As we believe in him, he indwells by the Holy Spirit within us and gives us the power to overcome the flesh. Mm. So I was reading that, and then right after it, I started reading, Paul was started talking about how he had been sent to the Gentile nations to help teach us about this family of God, this family that came from Abraham, that came from Isaac, and came through King David, and that everything is rooted back into this covenant that's with Abraham. And so I started reading all that and how much Paul loved these Jewish fathers of the faith. 
and he would give up his eternal soul for them. And as I read that uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 9, 10, 11, 12, Paul just expands how don't get prideful just because you understand this, who Yeshua is. And even though he's giving you the power to overcome the flesh, don't get prideful in this. And please go to the Jewish people, to the fathers of our faith, and be united and, and love them. And so as I read that as a 13-year-old boy, I just, I just was touched in my heart. My heart was touched for the Jewish people. Now, you got to remember, I lived in Texas. I'd never met a Jewish person. I, I, was, I was in 1969. I'm 13. The Six-Day War had happened. Such a fantastic time, but I didn't even notice it. I didn't, I didn't even know there really were Jewish people. Wow. But my heart was touched. And when that happened, then... I heard that, that, that's supernatural. Yeah, and that then, was the Lord. But I heard a voice, and it yeah. is plain as this voice talking right now. It wasn't out loud, but you know, as we hear voices, we 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 it's in our brain. But it yeah. but this was like someone speaking, and on my left was a voice, and it was the Father of Creation, is God. He said, "I'm going to use him with the Jewish people." And then on my right, I heard another voice, and it wasn't such a nice guy. He said, well, he's going to be a failure because he's full of lust and sin and all kinds of problems, and he won't be able to do a thing for you. Mm -hmm. And I recognized who that was, too. And then they went silent. So I laid there in bed, stunned by what I just heard. And the next morning when I woke up, I didn't tell my mother, and I didn't tell my dad, and I didn't tell the preacher, and I didn't tell my friends, and I didn't tell anybody Okay, until I'm not, when I'm 43 years old, 30 years later, I'm getting married to my best friend. Mm. My best friend and I have done everything together. We've been best friends for 10 years. Mm. She has two children she's raising. I've got kids I'm raising. Neither one of us was good at marriage. We'd given that up. We weren't going to get married to anybody the whole 10 years. And then we finally realized, you know, we're not bad together. Let's, let's get married. <laughs> But I told her, I said, Tammy, you need to know something before we get married. You need to know that I heard this when I was 13 years old. And even though you're the first person I've told it to, wow. and I just told her the same story I just told you. And she looked at me dead in the eye. She said, Byron, that's going to happen. Wow. I said, do you think so, Tammy? She says, it's got to. A 13-year-old boy wouldn't hear something like that and it not be God. So that will happen. Well, we still didn't know any Jewish people. And I can't tell you the whole story. It'd take way too long. But starting then after that, basically around the year 2000, God started opening amazing doors to our life to know mm -hmm. Jewish people, to love Jewish people, to go to Israel, be connected. I played in praise and worship teams, and that's kind of the way it all started happening. Mm -hmm. But uh, we wound up there, and then the Lord blessed me financially to be able to start a nonprofit foundation called the Father's House Educational Foundation. It's the website's just fathershousefoundation.com. Mm. And through that, uh, through that, we started taking pastors of smaller churches. What I recognized was that many pastors, almost all pastors of small churches, never get to Israel. They all want to go, but there's always a need for the money somewhere else. They make $40,000, $50,000 a year if it's, if it's a good-paying job. I'm talking about a church that's 500 people and less. Mm. And even though they want to go, 
they feel like it's their responsibility to pay for it because it's what they want to do so bad. And the church doesn't recognize that if you send him, then you'll get a better pastor. So they don't think to send the pastor. And so he... He teaches his whole life out of this Bible and never gets to go and be put on steroids and learn more about the land of God, about the covenant of Abraham by going. And so that became my passion. And because of that, and I brought many pastors through, so, uh, there were some gas wells that were drilled on my property, and we gave 100% of that money mm. to sending pastors and church leaders to Israel. And through that, uh, the Lord opened doors to start understanding the archaeology of the land, understand mm. the Jewish side of the land, become friends with many different uh, organizations over there. And that's kind of what opened the door for us to be involved in the Red Heifer. It, oh. it, it's amazing. Some of the stuff you were, we were talking about earlier, and I was just like, wow, that's, that's a beautiful revelation in itself, but just, you know, uh, about the different areas and cities, right? So the Lord opens this door for you to, to start talking to, you know, just different people, rabbis. How, how did the whole Red Heifer thing come about? So we had uh, we have a project in the land. It, it's uh, You see in the Bible, we read that God is the one that establishes altars. It, man can't just go and say, I think I want to build an altar here. It has to be ordained by God. And if it's not ordained by God, then it's a blaspheme against God. Amen. So one of the, the very first altar that's in the land is after the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, they were directed by God not to come straight up to Hebron from the wilderness, but to go across onto the other side and to make their way through the Moabites and Ammonites, come all the way up to the Gilead Mountains and come along where the Jabbok River is and come to a place to cross into the land at the exact place that has to be the place where Abraham comes into the land. That's the same place where Jacob left and came back into the land. And that is where God brings the children of Israel, probably two million of them, to cross into the land, and then he tells them exactly where to build an altar at Gilgal. And that altar has been there since that time. It was misused, but it's been there. And it was found by an archaeologist named Adam Zertal about 40 years ago. But yet no one even goes there or sees it. So one of the things that was a passion of our groups and of mine is to get there, to, to take groups of people there, to understand that altar has been located, and to pray at this first altar that God ordained mm. in the land. It's powerful. Amen. And so uh, we, we want to open that as a visitor center for the whole world. There's buses from everywhere in the world. Every nation drive by less than a quarter mile from this place. Place, wow. And they don't stop because they don't know it's there. Yeah. So we had produced a, a, a $35,000 video that we're going to open up and be able to show for the buses to stop. So we want to build some restrooms that look like something Bucky's would have. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure all those ladies want to stop there. And, <laughs> and then 
Take them back there and actually let them pray on the first altar. And it's an altar of unity. Of all, and That's what it's about. That's what Gilgal was used about, was take this uh, scattered 12 tribes and bring them together and unify them into one nation. And I believe what God's doing and will do at that altar is he will bring the scattered tribes of Israel all over the world, bring them in and unify them with the fathers of the faith, which are Judah, which are in the land. And so we want to use that. So we were working towards building that and doing that. And I'm working with some rabbis on their side to make all that happen. And in that process, it came up that they wanted a red heifer, that they needed a single red heifer. And they came to me and asked me, and I, I said, you know, I think I can find more than one. And thank God we were able to get five over there. Wow. Yeah. So they figure because you live in Texas. Yeah, yeah. You know, they said we're never gonna we're never gonna be able to get this done with just the you know it's a small number of cows in Israel. Most all their beef is imported and slaughtered there for food there in the land, but they're not importing pure cows, and so it, they just weren't gonna get there. And and then, but when we got to Texas, and even very very hard, even in Texas, incredibly difficult. And like you said, it's only going to be the hand of God to allow it. Yeah. I didn't know if He would when I set out on this. And at first, you know, many many failures as we were trying to do this. But mm. because of God's uh, providence, really starting back a long time ago, it happened. So many of the rabbis and uh, sages up through the years have believed or do believe that um, the 10th red heifer, uh, a red heifer that they never seen, or I, I doubt if they've even seen a red heifer, all these men that came down through the centuries, uh, they believe that the 10th red heifer would be a red heifer that the Messiah or uh, Elijah would sacrifice to clean the temple. Now, a little bit of history here. Up to this point, there's been nine red heifers, according to scripture, that have been sacrificed. Each time those red heifers uh, were sacrificed, it was to clean the house of God. So when we read about uh, uh, Solomon, building God's house, literally a red heifer had to be sacrificed and then the fire of God fell to wash God's house, to purify it, to sanctify it. And uh, this was a process that God had done through the generations every time that temple had to be cleansed or something would happen that didn't necessarily didn't require the building of a temple. Something, uh, something would happen to desecrate the temple. Again, a red heifer had to be sacrificed. It couldn't be just any cow. Couldn't be just a lamb or a dove sacrifice. It had to be this red heifer. And the interesting thing is that every time it happened, as we had said earlier, uh, these red heifers are few and far between. They're not easy to find. Obviously, you can attest to that. Yes. And here we are. I think the last red heifers that qualified were actually about seven years ago, and then all of a sudden they were unqualified because they grew blemishes. Right. Just just three hairs, and it disqualifies them. Yep. And here right now, we have five, which would be 
the tenth red heifers. Yes. Obviously, the people that you're talking to and God using you in this, Byron, literally tells us that this just isn't an Old Testament thing. God had to supernaturally create the, these red heifers. I believe that full heartedly. They just don't come about. And I believe it's happening because of the time and the season that we're in. Are any of the rabbis saying, uh, are they talking to you about this? The rabbis are so excited because like like us scattered in the nations, Mm. everyone can feel the approach of a one world government. You can feel mm-hmm. the approach of this time that something has to change. Exactly. And everyone feels it. And what they desperately are looking for is for the Messiah to come. Yeah. They know that this is the first step to be able to build a temple. Yeah. You can't purify the people that are going to work on the temple until you actually have this purification water that comes from the ash from the red heifer. Yes. Now, just to kind of clarify the way I help teach on this and what's been taught to me by the rabbis, it's not really a sacrifice. It's a ceremony where the animal completely 100% is burned to ash, Mm. where a sacrifice is something that is yours, that you've given to the Lord that is actually useful for taking care of the poor, to also take care of your family. It's a a thank you to God for what you've given, and Mm. you get to enjoy part of that sacrifice, okay? This will be all the way to ashes, all the way to complete extinction, okay? Consumed. Yes, consumed. And then you'll take just a, it doesn't take but just a pinch of this ash into into the living water. It must be living water. It must be spring water, Mm. which will come from the Gihon Spring, which flows from the base of the holy mountain of God. Mm -hmm. And you can take 10 million gallons of that water and put a pinch of this ash in there, and it purifies that water to be sprinkled on everything. Yeah. Okay, and, so, that, and that spring's still flowing right and now. That spring flows. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I was there at this last Chaviot. I always go on Chaviot mm-hmm. to the actual tomb of King David. Mm-hmm. They found in the in the uh, in doing the excavations for the, for the city of David on the mountain of God. See, Jewish people can't be buried on the mountain of God mm-hmm. except for. Kings. So when they found this huge temple, this uh, tomb complex on the mountain of God, it mm. obviously was the actual tombs of the kings of Judah. Wow. And what's interesting is above it, there is an upper room. Mm-hmm. See, upper rooms are something. And most of the church doesn't, they think that's a good place for a bar or that's yeah. a good place for <laughs> sleeping at night. But an upper room has a purpose. Yeah. The body, the, you can't come within nine arm lengths of a dead body or you become defiled, the only thing that's going to purify you is this ashes in the red heifer, but it takes seven days. You just walked all the way to Jerusalem to give your sacrifice to the Lord and have your uh, party. Mm -hmm. It's a feast. It's a party time. It's a a Thanksgiving time that you're going to have. Mm -hmm. And you come all the way with your sacrifice, and now you become impure because you got within nine arm lengths of this dead body, right? So you don't want to even take a chance. So if it's someone like a king, they would build a a room above the 
the, the tomb so that you would know you're safe. You can come, you can be close to your deceased family. Mm-hmm. So the ones above King David that would come and be in that upper room would have to be someone that's directly in line mm-hmm. of the kings or they wouldn't be able to be in that upper room. Yeah. So I like to go to that upper room because I think it's significant in the place. So I went there. And as I'm approaching, my son always goes with me every year. And we walked up and we looked at the now uncovered Pool of Silwan, which was discovered in 2004 by an archaeologist friend of mine named Ellis Shukron. Mm. And it was dry. There was no water coming from the Gihon Spring. <laughs> and I walked up. It's Shaviot. Yep. It's 9 o'clock in the morning when we know the Holy Spirit fell on the whole world, and we're praying, Lord, if it could be, send him this year. I try to do that each year. Just pray, yeah. Lord, do it again. Send your spirit over the world. And we're praying, and we took about an hour up there with some friends, and it was wonderful. And, you know, I didn't feel anything extra. And we came down the mountain, and we walked by the Pool of Silwan where the Gihon Spring was dry as a bone an hour and a half earlier, and water was flowing out of the base of the mountain in gushers and running across the road and filling the bar ditches (laughs) during that hour. And it was so exciting to me to see that Gihon Spring flowing out the living water out of this mountain of God. So this spring that was dry, now you have to have that water. Yes. For the for the ashes of the red heifer. Yes. For the for the ceremonial cleansing. Yes. So you you need the red heifer and you need that spring. Yeah. Correct? And you need a lot more. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean there's so many things that have to come into alignment for this event yeah. and they're all in alignment right now by the way. Yeah. I think it was like uh, uh, 7 years, 8 years ago that the that the that the the spring uh, that was dry for, for centuries under the Temple Mount all of a sudden opened up. And now, I mean, that 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 spring is flowing down into, I want to say the Kidron Valley. And, 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 and uh, they have crops down there now because of this. But that's a biblical prophecy also about the second coming. So, so... All, I mean, this, these are no mistakes, Byron. No. These are, and again, we're, we're not trying to take away from the coming of Mashiach, the first coming of Yeshua. We're not doing any of that. We're just saying, and we're, we're talking about one, another coming. Yeah. And, and we believe these are signs that the Lord is giving the church because the Bible says first the natural and then the spiritual. And yeah. I believe that is what's happening right Amen. now. I'm not looking for a Amen. different Messiah. I'm not looking, you know. Yeah, no. We, we're looking at the same thing. And I think a lot of Christians need to understand this, yeah. that, that this is really about signs of the times. Another sign, uh, and we, I talked to you about this earlier, was that the early church believed that in the same way the earth was created in the six days, Symbolic of six thousand years, yeah. and Peter says, "Do not forget this one thing: a day is equal to a thousand years." Now, all the early church fathers taught this: that those uh, thousand-year increments were from the time of Adam till Jesus would be four thousand years or four days, and from Jesus till now is two days or two thousand years. We're at the end of six days or six thousand years, or we are at right now what is called the end of days. And we're stepping into the day of the Lord. Yes. So all, all these things are lining up together. 
And it can't be in a coincidence no. because things are happening that haven't happened. Some of these things in hundreds of years, yeah. like these springs and things opening up. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was a mistake that it happened. Well, you were there or just a no, coincidence. No. God, God is talking right now, brother. Yeah. So for sure, there's so much uh, there that uh, the world's not even aware of a lot of the, the things. But the Bible tells us in the last days, there'll be this great uh, education that will happen, knowledge, Amen. there'll be travel. For, and, you know, and here we are and all those things are happening. And those are all heralds of we're coming to the last time, you know. And so, and I... I I don't like to call it the last time, and I just did it because there is a promise of a thousand-year millennial reign exactly. of peace on earth where God's will will be done. As a matter of fact, every Christian I know is taught to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done earth. on earth as it is in heaven, not just to go to heaven and see it done there. So To bring heaven here. This is physical. This is Amen. a physical place. Now, the church uh, has been a Find a special duty, and that is the duty of the church is spiritual. And we really have taken that serious, and we are spiritual. We are filled with the Spirit of God, and we do have understanding of the Bible. But really, the physical things that uh, are so important also are something that we have managed to kind of put on the back burner and not look at so closely. We tend to just stay in the spiritual. Now, the fathers of our faith, who I work with, which are the, the Jewish rabbis and, and this, this, uh, this tribe of people that God loves and he's going to rescue. And, and, and let me say this to qualify yes. what you're saying. Yeah. The Bible does not say the tree was cut down. No. It says we have been engrafted into that tree. Amen. So because we're engrafted in, it means that tree is still there, which yeah. they are the fathers, Paul say, of that tree. Amen. What it so says, God did not remove them completely. Yeah. He left the tree grow. It says it was too small a thing to just save the, the natural tree. He also is going to save the grafted in tree. Well, it, there's no way that he's not going to save the natural as a matter of fact, he warns us, if you get prideful, you'll be easy to take out. Sure. Okay, so don't get prideful. Amen. And that was my heart, was to go to the fathers of the faith, to love them, and they, and they turned around and they loved me. And I know mm. unity between us is what we're after. Amen. Now, that's very hard to, to have unity if you focus on the 10% that you disagree with. Yeah. If I start disagreeing with my wife on the 10%, I probably wind up in divorce court, yeah. you know. But my wife and I are best friends now for 35, 36 years. Mm. And what we focus on is the 90% that we agree on. And on the 10%, sometimes it's okay for me not to see things exactly like she sees it and vice versa. Well, that's what we did in the Red Heifer. They know, I believe, that Yeshua is coming again. And yes. when he gets here, on his, he'll pull out his passport, and everybody will see he's got two stamps on there when he gets here, okay, when he gets to Israel. They believe that the Messiah is yet to come, yet to be revealed, and when he comes, he'll have one stamp. But yeah. we agreed that we're going to love each other, that we're going to work together, that they're going to teach me about the physical things of the land, that they know that they're following the Bible and trying to see 
uh, fulfill the physical things, and I'm getting to be with them in those spiritual things. And together, when the Messiah comes, he'll clarify all the areas where we were both mistaken because there's so much for all of us to learn. No one should be prideful in this because the Bible tells us the one that knows the most is looking at a stained glass and just seeing something moving behind. Mm. And so at this point where we are, if we want to come together, the fathers of the faith, which is Judah back in the land and the scattered tribes of Israel scattered into the nations of the earth, which mm. is in the Gentile churches and is the Gentile churches, then mm. we have to we have to stop fighting each other and just just uh, just go ahead and make a commitment to love each other and work through the the hard places. And so we've done that and we built relationship that can't be broken. And that's why they're reaching out. The fathers of the faith are reaching out to the children of the faith. And we're trying to build bridges and bonds of love that will be approved of by the Father. And and, and by the way, the end of our Old Testament in the book of Malachi and the last verses said if the fathers and the children don't learn to love each other, there will be a curse on the land. Mm. And the land is the covenant. Abraham was told, if you'll go to the land, I'll give you the land. Now, spiritual people, Mm. we really don't really need land because it's all about spiritual it's all about spiritual. There, there's, you know, this real reality of land is just not that big a deal. Mm. But for the Jews, the spiritual's not near as big a deal. It's all about the land was the covenant and keeping the land and and having that land is everything. So mm. somehow there has to be balance so that the words of Jesus is that there's going to come a day where you're going to worship me in spirit and in truth, our spirit and physical. Amen. And this balance is what we're after as we unify and become one people that love each other. That's, that's my mission is to do all I can to bring about love, peace and joy to all of us, the fathers and the children. So much is lost in translation within God's Word. It's surprising how much is misunderstood, even simple word definitions. In his book, Access Behind the Veil, Apostle Michael Petro explains that beyond the veil lies the original intention of God's plan to restore creation through His people. When the Lord gives us access behind the veil, we begin to understand the mysteries of the kingdom and our calling as a royal priesthood. Apostle Michael Petro writes about deciphering the Torah from the Hebrew language and recognizing God's language of mysteries, secrets, and parables within the scripture. It's time to step behind the veil and see the coming glory. Access Behind the Veil, The Coming Glory by Apostle Michael Petro. Available now on our website, voh.church. You know, Isaiah talks about, you know, at the end of the age or in the millennium that uh, everybody will know that who God is and those yeah. that serve him. Meaning there, there's not going to be this this. Fall, uh, the, this lack of understanding. Everybody's going to know who God is, yes. and we haven't. Obviously, we haven't gotten there yet. But I believe the Lord is going to straighten that out here. I, I believe we're in that timing. Um, there's just so many things lining up for that, Byron. And, and like you said, uh, it's easier to talk. My, you know, my mother used to say to me, uh, "It's either it's easier to catch flies with honey." 
<laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, instead of, yeah. you know, sitting there screaming at people, uh, one of the main things, and I've been hearing rabbis talk about this, I mean, what's happening in Israel because of the red heifers? And I, I, I want to get into into to this in a second, but I, I was just watching people's reaction, these rabbis' reaction when, yeah. when you were there and they brought yeah. those red heifers in. Can you explain to a, I, I know it was costly and I know it was difficult because you told us, can you explain to our listeners a little bit about how difficult it was to get them there and the obstacles and that even that, you know, in the timing also yeah. was very uh, strategic biblically. So, uh, you know, we found the, the first ones that we found were, were uh, Santa Gertrudis breed and that went fairly smoothly. It was absolutely God because what these ranchers do on day one is they grab a calf when it's just born and they put a tag in its ear and that immediately is a blemish and the cow's not going to be any be, good. Because there can be no broken bones. There can be no scars. Uh, scars. Anyways, as soon as they, they tag it, they have to pinch it through the ear. That's a scar. doesn't matter it's how red it is. It's done. So, so you explained to me, if you could again, about three cows. Yeah that were never tagged, right. that were actually the ones on this one farm. Yeah. Uh, that, that a couple of them qualified. So uh, one of the ranchers that was uh, happy to work with us, and he has probably the, the most beautiful red cows anywhere in the world. He actually has won world championships with his Santa Gertrudis cattle because they're just so beautifully red. And then uh, they go to the show, and it's about meat. It's about what you can, you know, about being able to cook them, yeah. <laughs> you know, not yeah. about their color. But yeah. yet when they come and they're that beautifully red, they show well. And so he's won uh, worldwide grand championships with these cattle that he wow. raises down in close to Houston. And uh, we got to his ranch, and uh, he said, we had three cows that when they were born, we didn't get them. The mothers got away into the brush. The cows went with them, and so we weren't able to take them. He has so all these other cows that he owns. He's got like four hundred head. Four hundred head. We're all tagged. All of them, except for three, right? That escaped into the brush right. that they never got a hold of. That they still had to find, right? But he knew those three were, were non-blemished. Yeah, well, he felt like they were. Yeah. And then he got all this information from me. See, this is we, God to me. This, yeah, this is God. Absolutely. As soon as they tag it, it's it's disqualified. Yeah, and then he would have just tagged them. I mean, even though they were bigger, he'd have put them yeah. in a chute and put the tag on them. But what happened was before he did that, he got information that came from our team when we were hunting. And so he saw that we were looking for some. He said, I've got some. You want to come look? Yeah. And, of course, uh, we'd already looked at a lot of them all over that many, were very many, close. How many do you think you, you looked at? Oh, there was seven or eight down in Comanche, Texas, and there was five or six up around Gainesville, Texas, and there was some in um, Missouri that we looked at, and there was uh, several more around Oklahoma. They're, they were all over different yeah. places. We even were looking down in South Texas on some ranches. I was on my motorcycle driving around, getting off, <laughs> climbing on ranchers' fences and looking at because usually it's the white spots a lot of time on the udder. Yeah. So I'm trying to get underneath their cow to see if there's a white spot on that udder, you know, yeah. to see if this cow's red enough. Yeah. And so uh, we'd been all over doing that. And uh, we got down there to see his cows and actually took the rabbis with me. Uh, it's pretty expensive to fly rabbis sure. in to go and do an inspection, but that's what we did. And went down there, and sure enough, two of those three 
uh, looked completely red. They looked really good. The third one wasn't, but it was just a that was a miracle in itself. And and he's a rancher. He he raises these animals to sell them. He was willing yeah. to sell them to us, and so we wow. spoke for them at that time. Yeah. Uh, the bigger miracle of it was after that, a friend of mine. So, that, and so yeah, it had no blemish. Two of them, no blemishes. Two of them, beautiful, with no blemishes that were not tagged. That that are not tagged, <laughs> and we've got them out of all. Hundreds of heads of cattle, yeah. only those three survived. That's it. And two were good. Yeah. <laughs> and so we we got those, and, and uh, we're still looking because I'd made a commitment to try. I wanted to find about seven, and that's what I was, I wasn't stopping, so we kept looking. Mm-hmm. Well, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Robert Mawiri, who I've been, uh, has helped in Israel for many years to help bring in Jewish people from Russia and from around the world by plane loads, helping to, mm. with that, with that fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, he had heard what we were doing, and through him, uh, a friend of a friend knew about a, a ranch in Rockwall, Texas. So we oh, went out there, and we get to Rockwall, and we get to the ranch. And uh, so one, there's two brothers that love each other that live on the ranch. The one brother is actually a jeweler. He deals mm-hmm. in all kinds of jewels and diamonds and, and, the, and has been to Israel many, many times. A wonderful, godly man, knows the word, loves God. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other brother is the rancher. Now he's when he was a veterinarian his whole life, and his name is Ty. Mm-hmm. And so we get there, and I meet Ty, and he's the most personable, sweetest man you ever met in your life. And he mm-hmm. was so excited that we were there to hunt for red heifers, yeah. because when he started his ranch in the 1990s, he mm-hmm. wanted he loved the Bible and he loved the story of Numbers 19. And he wanted to raise the reddest of red Angus that you could raise. So he purposely had traveled all over the United States, had bought the reddest bulls he could find out of Minnesota, put his whole herd together around these red cattle because of Numbers 19. And by the way, Ty is brilliant. He knows the the stars. He knows the stories, the Mm. Bible back and forth. He talks to our Father in Heaven every day. This guy is sold out. I mean, just as crazy as me, crazier than me, maybe. (laughs) And we meet, and the Spirit of God just touches us. And he says, Byron, if I'd have just known, you know, it's see, the cows are born at a certain time of the year, and it was getting a little later in the season. Mm -hmm. as in October, and by this time, we'd already found the ones down by Houston, but now it's in October. If I'd have known, I had some born that I think were all red, but we've tagged all of them. Mm. I said, well... Ty, you you got 250 head of cows. There's some of them still going to give birth. Well, a few, you know, yeah. I said, well, let's just pray. And uh, we got under a tree. We prayed, Lord, if it's your will, give us a red heifer. So we got back in his ranger, and we drove down through the brush. And lo and behold, there was a beautiful red heifer had just been born, laying at the feet of its mother. Wow. Right there waiting on us. Wow. It was absolutely incredible. And that was just number one that he was given. Before it was over, there were more burrs, and almost all of them perfectly red heifers. Mm. Uh, some of them had some flaws that we turned back, but in the end, we wound up with a, with several of his red heifers that were deemed good. We actually flew some more head rabbis uh, in 
very respected rabbis from uh, had a team of about five flew in and inspected all of them. So the five you took to Israel, they came from Houston and and yeah. Northern Dallas. There was four actually at the Rockwell. end. What happened to the two in Houston, one of those wound up growing a couple of white hairs in the tail. As mm-hmm. Santa Gertrudis, a lot of times they'll grow white in the tail. And that's what happened to one. But one is still completely red and looking good. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, on that ranch in Houston, they do have cows that mm-hmm. are past the the, the, the mark Over. on when they can be used for the, sacri- for the ceremony is actually at two years and one day. They have to be in their third years. There's a lot of misconceptions. People are saying they have to be three, Three, so in their fourth year. But no, they have to be in going into their third year, and then it's okay. So, so, uh, because there's a lot of people that have asked me about this, Uh, they don't have to be past three years old, just past two years and one day. Right. Then biblically, they're qualified. Yes. To be a sacrifice. Now they can be two days, uh, two years, and one day up to fifty years later. Yeah. And they're, if they're if they're perfect, they're perfect. They're fine. Yeah. For to be used as yes. this red heifer. Right? Yes. It doesn't have to happen right then. That's not like that. So we know that last year, which we've just left a few days ago, or yesterday, actually yesterday, right, Damn. was the Shemitah year, which is the 49th year, and as of today, we've stepped into the Jubilee year. Yeah the 50th year, right? Are any of the the the, the um, red heifers that you sent there, are they qualified now to be sacrificed? There's one. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. one. The others would go over by uh, a month or okay. two months. But there's now, if you know, if you were looking at the Gregorian calendar, easily all of them would be. But on on the, the God's he, calendar yep. that He gave to God's people, not not the Jewish calendar. Yep. There is no Jewish calendar. Amen. There's a God's calendar. That's what, exactly and, what it says. They're he, God's feasts. That's right. And on that calendar, uh, there's there's the one from down in uh, down by Houston that would would make that timeline if that was God's will on that. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting thing that we're talking about right now because there's so many things, Byron, that we've talked about that have to line up. Oh yeah, the springs, the preparation of sacrifices, and I and I was talking this about I was talking about this about uh, three years ago that the the rabbis were following uh, a three year period that happened with the building of Nehemiah's temple. Like the sacrifices and everything didn't all happen in the same year. They were they were spread out over a three-year period. And on that third year is when they brought the sacrifices and the red heifer uh, was uh, brought forward. And uh, that red heifer was sacrificed. It was burnt outside the camp. Uh, origin, the early church fathers, Phil, uh, uh, Philio says that the reason the red heifer was taken outside of the camp is because the Messiah had to be taken outside the camp and, and, and crucified. So it was symbolic of that. Uh, many early church fathers equate the red heifer with with Yeshua. So, but in that process, um, we see also that um, that sacrifice has everything to do with 
a final cleansing of both the temple, which obviously would be symbolic of us also. Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple? Yes. And, and so we see that in the sacrifice of Christ, the cleansing of his temple, those different things. Uh, but without that red heifer, that the temple doesn't get cleansed. Yep. Here we are. Here we are, my friend. And you know, still, you know, I believe what's most important to God's heart in all of this is that that people would come back to Him, repent before Him, understand that we're all sinners, lost, and we need only way back is through His plans and through what He can do because man can't come back to Him without God. And Amen. and and the way that maybe the way that that we've learned through uh, our Roman teachers can take some tweaking. Maybe we can learn some things from our fathers of the faith, and the fathers of the faith can learn some things from us. But at the end of the day, we all have to learn from the Father. And this perfection of time is a physical perfection of time that we have to look at the physical. Now, the church in general doesn't like looking at the physical. It likes the spiritual, loves the spiritual, but it doesn't like the physical, a lot of the church. But but they go hand in hand. Well, you know, it's clear that you see in Revelation that John saw a third temple that had a wall walling it off from the profane thing. I mean, John saw this temple in the last day standing there on the mountain of God. Mm. So that's a physical thing he saw. Some Mm. people like to make that just a spiritual thing that he saw, but those are physical things that happen on the earth. And so we have to learn how to embrace some of these physical things that God is going to prove who he is to the world so we can come closer to him. why couldn't they be both? They are. Absolutely. See, they we, are. we want to say it's yeah. one or the other, right. but the Lord has yeah. a way of you know, going both. Yep. And, uh, and obviously, revelation literally means something you've never seen before. Yeah. And now you're seeing it for the first time. Yeah. So if we have a book of revelations, which we do, which was written, by, by the way, by a high priest by the name of John, yeah. um, that means at the end we see things that we've never seen before, which might redirect our way of thinking yes. and, and open to us a vein, a river that is, is living water, yeah. amen, for us to get us ready yeah. to know what time it is, amen. Because I clearly can see in the, New, in the New Testament, right, that there's a people that don't know that it's time and there's a people that do know that it's time. Yeah. And, and, and we're not trying to point to and say exactly this is it, but we have a lot of very serious indicators that where we're at right now, like all these things, the streams, the rivers, they have to be operating in order to fulfill this promise, right? And and not to say, again, not to diminish the first coming of, of no. our Messiah, but no. also to reveal that first the natural, First the literal and then the spiritual, yes. right? The Lord tells us that. So we could be seeing both of them together. Amen? Amen. So so w- w- one of the things that's incredible, I, I listened to your testimony, and there's so many things, brother, that supernatural. The Lord intervened. The Lord intervened. Yes. The Lord intervened. And, and when I see things like this and... I watch things like this unfold. What it tells me is 
that it's not a coincidence. It's the, you know, maybe one time it can be a coincidence, but you don't get, you know, you don't hit the lottery 10 days in a row. Right. Right. (laughs) And so what the Lord is doing and what the Lord has used you and to make you understand it. And it was amazing to me that, you know, you were the first one to go look for an unblemished red heifer, a Gentile, a Gentile went and found it. And that the Lord would choose you for that yeah. in Incredible. order. And there's, you know, and, and the rest of his sons, the rest of Israel would, would have to come and say, hey, let's see what Byron found. <laughs> Amen. And yeah, he, you, you yeah. found it. You, it is the right one. It is the colors are right. There is no blemish. We can use these, right? And and the cost to send them to Israel is astronomical. I know that it, yes, it, it is, it, it, you know, for you to get them there. And I watched the faces of those Jewish people, those rabbis, when they seen them for the first time, because to them, it was a fulfillment of prophecy that goes way, way back, over 2,000 years, yeah. 2,500 years, to, to look upon what God promised them and say, is it our time? Well, well look, for instance, uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Ariel with the Temple Mountain Institute, was at the te- he was at the Western Wall in the Six-Day War. He was one of the soldiers that took it back. And from there, he has lived every day of his life wanting to prepare and build a temple. Now, you don't do that just because I want to do something. Yeah. You do that because God put something down in your heart that's special mm. that he knew he was called to. Yes. And so... This man then was joined. They have hundreds of thousands of Jewish people that pray with him that want the temple. They are desiring to build this temple. Mm. Christians don't desire to build the temple because it's not a, it's a, not a physical thing that we're desiring. Yeah. So God put that in their hearts so that it would be there so that this thing could happen and that prophecy would be fulfilled when the temple is yeah. built there. And so the fact, could they do it without us? They might could, but here's the thing. Solomon said that that temple is not a, a Jewish temple. That temple is a house of prayer for all nations of the earth. Amen. And there are supposed to be 70 godly nations Nations come and join hands with the Jewish people there mm-hmm. to build that temple. Yeah, and so we're. This is just the first step. These red heifers are like the key that turns on the engine that starts moving us forward. That wakes up the. I believe the the church worldwide to say. We can do this together. Mm. You see, there's there's only six million Jews that are going to be possibly interested. Now, to that, mm. probably ninety percent of them are not interested. Sure. There's really only you're getting down to sixty thousand Jews that are uh, really remnant. interested. <laughs> okay, and they don't have the money. They're they're not the most wealthy Jews in the world. Mm. Okay, and but they want to do this. And so we get an opportunity if it comes into our spirit and our heart that we want to help them. Now, how many Christians are there worldwide? Mm. I don't know what the number is. You may know. I think it's close to 800 million Christians worldwide. Mm. We have, and the Bible tells us that the islands are going to sing and help. Well, right now, I already have Filipinos that are friends of mine. We helped with an orphanage down there a few years ago. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to help. They don't have money down there, but they're wanting to help any way they can. So they're going to help us with all types of things that a 
will go into building the temple. And we have people from Australia that are helping. And we have people from all over the world coming to be part of this. And God is doing that right before our eyes. Actually, the Bible tells us, the Lord tells us in Scripture that... Um, those that help with this process will be blessed. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, I, I think it's interesting, too. I mean, Paul, when he talks about the end of the age, he talks about how that when the time of the Gentiles is done, uh, you know, God is going to re-engraft the Jews, right? Wouldn't it be interesting if God threw us all a curveball and it was all at the same time? I yeah. mean, it was a, a new revelation comes to us, you know? But either way, there's no reason why we can't help them in, in that process because yeah. it's, it's talked about in Scripture. Amen. You know, God's people are God's people. There yeah. is no, hey, that's the Jewish God's people and that's the Christian God. We, we actually uh, have two religions. We have a religion of Judaism mm-hmm. that Jesus was part of, that Paul was part of, that all the apostles were part of, and they never left it. Yep. And people that say you shouldn't give sacrifices, well, if you read closely in Acts, you'll see that Paul went back to the temple and gave his sacrifice on a, on a regular basis yeah. because there was still a need for that, for purification of the flesh that he was doing. Mm-hmm. So there still is a place for that, or Paul wouldn't have been doing it. It's just maybe we don't understand it in this day and time. Well, he actually says, he goes, uh, he goes I fulfill in my body what has been left over from Christ's sacrifice. So Paul had a belief there was still a dying to self that had to be done. Yes. And the early and if you read the early church fathers, they all believe the same thing about this the sacrifice or death to self that has to happen. Yeah. And the Bible is very clear about us dying to self. But that there, there's different things we could say about that. But one of the things is too the death to self has to do and repentance has to do with a renewal of the mind also. Because if the mind isn't renewed or there's not a revelation there, there's really not true repentance. It's just not it's just not the deeds that we've done. No. All those deeds started in our mind, so our mind has That's to right. be renewed there. Yeah. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Amen. Brother, I'm I've really enjoyed this time with you. Um what would you say to people that are out there both Jews, Gentiles, and the unbelievers. Because I, I know that in your heart that you see, you know, the timings. You're, you're just, you didn't get called at 13 for no reason. Or to do something that is not the fulfillment. The, the Bible also tells us that when the Jews would come back into Israel, that that generation would be a generation that wouldn't pass. You know, Jerusalem's restored in 67. Yeah. Uh, amazing events that happened. I've talked to soldiers. I talked to a, an opera singer who was a soldier in that war. And he's told me things that I don't even talk about because it's so beyond oh, yeah. physical belief. Absolutely. That he said God guided every one of our you know bullets. Um Clearly, God was with them in all these events. You can't say, well, God's done with Israel when you see those events happening and God being directly involved with that nation. In the same way, they, the Lord gave them back the nation in the same way God gave them back the temple in 67. 
reestablished now in our generation, we have watched the reestablishment of Jerusalem as the capital, which is literally the end of the end. Yeah. And now within within a year and a half, less than that, within a year of the reestablishment of Jerusalem, where the temple has to be, where the sacrifice has to happen, all of a sudden five red heifers. And to yeah. me, that's no mistake. There's five. It speaks to me of the fivefold. Yeah. I believe in the Lord using you and, and talking to you from a child, 13 years old, you're bar mitzvahed. Yeah. And here you are now that God would use you and, and put a, a love between you and the nation of Israel to bring those red heifers there, to tell them. We love you. We love you. That's what it's about. We want to work with you. That's what God wants from us, the church. It's something we can do. We can love the fathers of the faith. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to line up with what we believe. We can go love them, and that is what Mm. we're called to. And they have so much to teach us, and together as we do that, then we'll all learn together. If you look, I think the most important verse that I could, if you're a a believer, a Christian, and you're looking at this, and you want to know more about the story, you want to step in the story, you got to go to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 is very clear. The Lord took me to a, a valley and there were dried out bones all over. Mm-hmm. And the, God, the Lord asked me, can these bones live again? Yeah. Those bones absolutely represent the children of the Holocaust coming after destruction on them by the Christian church that had been happening not only at the time of the Romans when they were taken into slavery, but not only at the uh, time of the... In, in, in Spanish times, whenever they were taken out of Spain mm-hmm. and per, per, uh, persecuted there in Spain, the Jewish fathers of our faith. But now we come up into World War II and this great persecution where millions of innocent babies and girls and mm-hmm. people are put to death in, in gas chambers in the most horrific way yeah. in the name of Jesus Christ is how that was done. Okay, mm. so yes, there's a wide gap between us and the fathers of our faith because of that. So the the prophets said, so the Bible in Ezekiel 37, can these bones live again? They've been in exile for 2,000 years in the nations of the earth, and can they come back and be a nation? And the prophet says to God, I don't know if they can, can they? And, and then God said, he starts bringing these bones together and they form sinew and then they stand up this strong nation. Mm. That's Israel. And in the Six-Day War, they already had nuclear weapons. They already had br- uh, brilliance that's unbelievable that's been blessing the earth. They, mm. All of those things put into, into place from 1948 until 1967, right mm. in front of our eyes, all of that happened. Happened, the exact fulfillment of Ezekiel 37. But then in the second half of Ezekiel 37, it now it says to, to the prophet, now speak to the four winds. That's everybody all over the earth. That's us. It's talking to the church worldwide. Say, speak to the four winds and bring the spirit of God and breathe upon this strong nation. Well, who, who holds that spirit? It's mm. us. And we. how do we impart that? 
We impart it by love. We impart it by participating. We impart it by being part of what they're doing. And when we're around them, then that spirit is imparted into everything. We have a duty to come by Ezekiel 37 and become. And then at the end of it, we see God with his hand holding a stick. And these two sticks become like one stick in his hand. Mm -hmm. And this is the church, this is the Judeo-Christian church connected back to the Jewish fathers and become one in the hand Mm -hmm. of God so that God would be honored by our love for each other and by our connection to each other. And the temple is the instrument, and these red heifers are the start of that, to work together, to come together and see that stick brought together. So I believe God's about to do that right in front of the eyes of the world. I believe even young people that haven't been thinking about God are going to stop and want to read and and look at these examples of miracles that have already happened that you can see plainly. I mean, I can tell you a simple one. In 2014, because I live in Israel a lot, there was a terrible outbreak of rockets that came from Gaza. From my balcony, I could see all the rockets coming out being mm-hmm. fired right at me and my family. And there was about, I think there was 12,000 of them shot over a period of a few days. And wow. every one of them you could see. Now, what would happen was those rockets would go up in the sky. You'd see another rocket come from the side, and it's called the Iron Dome, and it would explode it up in the air before it went and hurt anybody. Mm. And this happened over and over. It was the best fireworks show you've ever seen. If you're not <laughs> if you're not afraid, this was a great fireworks display, I'm telling yeah. you. But then something happened. They shot a long-range rocket that would have made it to Tel Aviv. It's 35 miles to Tel Aviv, and it had a big explosive on it, and it mm. was shot right towards Tel Aviv. No problem, right? You got the Iron Dome. It's 98% effective, mm-hmm. and it's a long-range shot. You can shoot at that rocket twice with the Iron Dome, and it's 98% effective. So they shot at it the first time, and they missed it. Mm. They missed the rocket. No problem. Shoot another one. We'll get it, right? Mm. And they shot the second one, and it missed again. Now there's not enough time. Yeah. Okay, what's going to happen? They know exactly by trajectory it's going to land in the middle of a populated area. Children mm-hmm. are going to die. It's, it's about to happen. This is in 2014. I was there. And mm-hmm. you know what happened? Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, a huge gust of wind came right down out of Jerusalem across the Sharon Valley. It hit mm-hmm. that rocket, turned it out to sea, and it went out 10 miles and blew up at sea. Wow. Everybody in Israel heard the story. Everyone knew that God saved those lives, and he did that. Amen. You know how many people in America heard it on CNN? None. Yep. (laughs) Zippo. Okay. So we still have a lot to learn, and there's a lot to watch. But if you want to be blessed, bless Israel. What's the news? Miracles are happening all the time. God has proved himself. Get in there and test him. And this is what I tell even my kids. If you doubt God, if you're a young person listening and you're hearing this and you're going, I doubt all that, Mm -hmm. why don't you just do something? I dare you. Say to God and mean it in your heart. Say, if you're real, show me. And I promise you, he's about to show you really soon because that's the way he works. Because he loves Everyone wishes none would perish, that all would come to salvation in him. And the time is short. Don't fall for the works of the world. This is time to come together. You know, uh, we are literally in a time where the whole world is talking about the one world government, the new world order. Uh, 
on the side is of the jets. When I get a United jet, it says one world. Yeah, yeah. And people don't realize that the Bible tells us this is what it would be. Yeah. That Satan would try to establish a one world government and then God would establish his. Yeah. It's a sign of the time. Yeah. Hallelujah. I, 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 I did a conference in Israel years ago and, uh, I was walking out of the conference and there was rabbis there, there was people there from all over Israel. It was a very large, it was put on by the government. And uh, I w- they were taking us on tours of different military sites. And we went down to uh, the Kidron, uh, the, the um, we went down to the valley of- uh, Elah? No, where they fought the tank battles in the Six Day War, which uh, Jezreel. Yeah. So we're in Jezreel and looking through this tank museum and this guy grabs me by the arm because it's really dark in there. And I turn and I look at him and it's a rabbi. And he said to me, can, can you help me? Uh, I can't see. I, I'm almost blind. And I, can you, you know, can I hold your arm? I said, yeah, sure. And it was an interesting thing because right before that, the Lord told me to pay attention. And I, I was thinking, you want me to pay attention to these tanks, right? But yeah. it was this rabbi. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I walked him through. He, he was asking me what I did, and I told him I was a pastor. And later on, we got through there, and and right as we're getting ready to come out, I, I, I the Lord put it upon me to pray for his eyes, in which one eye he was completely blind, and the other eye was over ninety percent. He said, "He said, yeah, sure." And we get out, we got separated. I, I was really distraught about it. I didn't get a. I wanted to pray for him, and I was being interviewed about an hour later and here I see him walking by me and I stopped the interview and I ran, I said, I got to pray for him. And I walked over there and I said, you know, it's Mike. I, I wanted to pray for you earlier. He said, Oh yeah. Yeah. I said, can I pray for you? He said, Janet prayed for him and the Lord healed his eyes. Yeah. And, and it was to me, yeah. it, it touched my life to the point where I knew that the Lord wanted to change things. In Israel, the interesting thing was, if I would have done it before, uh, it would have been a non-event. But when I prayed for his eyes, the television crew followed me oh, over, yeah. and they caught the whole thing. It was wow. actually TBN Russia, wow, and that yeah. broadcast went into Russia, went into Israel, went all over. Yeah. But it was something that changed my life forever, and it's just one of those events that put a love in my heart for the nation of Israel. Also, yeah. Byron, yeah. tell you know. I know there's a bunch of people out there saying, we want to help. How, how can they get in contact with you? How can they help? So if you want to contact me directly uh, and learn more about the projects that we're doing, like the, mm. the going to that first altar at Gilgal and opening that up mm. for people all around the world to stop and pray there, it's a place of unity is what we're building there. We have a huge tower we've built there. We want to see churches put their name on this tower, and we want to put synagogues right beside them so it's a tower of unity that's there. And so if you, there's a video about that at this website, and there's uh, information about my family. And the website's real simple. It's just Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, Stinson, S-T-I-N-S-O-N dot me. Mm-hmm. And down at the bottom, there are uh, there's a contact link, and you can send me an email through that. I'll get it. I'll re- reply as soon as I can, and uh, we'll be back to you. And thank you for praying for me any way you can. So yeah. there's 
there's one way to connect to me. Uh, the other thing, if you if the Lord has blessed you and you would like to bless Israel, mm-hmm. and you can do it joyfully, and if you're a believer, this is not for people that aren't believers yet. If you hadn't believed, or mm-hmm. if you have something against somebody else, if you have something unforgiven, don't please don't give to this. But if you're a believer and you don't, you're not holding any grudges against anybody, and then you're in a good shape to give something to Israel. And uh, our foundation that gives 100% of the money goes to the projects there in Israel. It's mm-hmm. called the Bonet Israel Foundation, and it's spelled B, the website is B-O-N-E-H Israel.com. And there's a donation link that you can use there if you'd like to do that, or you can connect to us there and we can give you information on how to wire money or connect with us on other projects, things that if you want to be a team member and you'd like mm-hmm. to be part of it. Let us know how you feel like the Lord's leading you. And if you have red heifers and you, you know, we're not Mm. stopping. We're still going to look for some more red heifers, you know, Mm -hmm. because I don't know what God's plan is. I know he gave us these and I think it's going to happen, but all of these could grow black and white hairs and we're looking again. So we want to stay connected to ranchers too, if you're out there. So that's, that's how you can connect to us. And we'd love to hear from you on any of that. Byron, uh, I really enjoyed the interview. It's one of my favorite ones, yeah. and uh, we just uh, we just want to thank you and bless you for for the work you're doing with Israel. Thank you, brother. Amen. I appreciate it so much. God bless you. Uh, God bless the voice of Healing News. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. For those of you that are out there, again, if you'd like to get a hold of uh, Byron and his organizations, please, uh, you can get a hold of them at those websites. If not, if you can't remember, please get a hold of us. We'll make sure that we get it over to him. We want to thank all our viewers out there. And, you know, so many of you have uh, uh, asked about this red heifer and actually to sit down and get to talk with Byron about this. It's been a it's been a real pleasure, and uh, and I hope you understand that it is important that these are signs of the times that we're in. May God bless you and your family. Please yes. contact us. Let us know, hallelujah, what you think. If you enjoyed today's podcast, partner with us by heading to vohradio.com. That's vohradio.com. Call the studio at 1-877-440-3737. That's 1-877-440-3737. Or you can send us an email at info at vohradio.com. Again, that's info at vohradio.com. This is the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro.